let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast, Shifting Inside Out, hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We are diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift. Inspiring topics, hacks, and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power, and living a purpose-filled life. I am super excited to have today's guest on. This is my baby sister, Amanda Belts, and she just has such an amazing journey and story as well as um, a really great dive into how she set up her what I would call side business, although it's actually like a good solid business outside of her eight to five job as an executive in the staffing industry. So wanted to really bring her on because she was the one that actually first um, mentored me when I started my first Etsy shop and um, it was called Me First for Us. Really um, has done such an incredible job. She always has had these entrepreneurial skills in the spirit of, um, you know, between being a collector and then coming up with ideas for business and how to execute on it. And she's got incredible drive, but she's hilarious as well. So I think you're going to really enjoy the episode. But I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on LinkedIn at Angie Belts McCourt and Instagram at Angie underscore McCourt. So without further ado, let's hear from Amanda. Welcome to Shifting Inside Out. I am so grateful to have you on this episode. To get started, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? I'm very excited to be here. My name is Amanda Belts. I am uh, the queen of chaos, as I've been called many times in my life. I have a, I'm a mom to my son, Aiden, and I'm also a director of business development for a company called Oxford Global Resources. Awesome. I appreciate that. And um, I love the queen of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> we'll expose to the listeners um, how we have such a connection. Okay. Um, a few quick round questions so the listeners can get to know you better. Okay. Um, the first one is, what is your morning ritual? Well, I am not a morning person. So my ritual is uh, not a great one, but <laughs> um, I have a tendency to eat a huge breakfast in the morning because I... I try to intermittent fast um, in the later part of the day and, and overnight. Um, so that gives me my energy. Um, I have a tendency in the morning as I'm eating and when I'm done to kind of take 10 minutes just to sit in silence, not thinking about anything. I'm not trying to plan my day out. I'm just trying to sit in silence and get my act together, aka shit together. Uh, and <laughs> I do some stretching <laughs> as well. And then drag myself out of the house to the office. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. How do you renew your energy? I have been running a lot the past year. So when I feel sluggish or tired, I'll usually run, get a workout in. I do aerial yoga, uh, hang upside down, blood flows to your brain, really get you going. So mm. anything that can get my heart up, my heart rate up, that's that's what I try to do. And and I get my second, you know, round of, of energy throughout the day. So I try to run, you know, either in the morning or at lunchtime and not necessarily work out at the end of the day because then I'll be up all night. <laughs> True. Exactly. All right. What is your guilty pleasure? So I know you've heard of Kind Bars and I don't know if you have them there in Florida, but they have frozen Kind Bars. <gasps> and they are absolutely amazing. 
I'm not going to lie. I do eat a box at a time. <laughs> you should try them. They're very addicting, but they're kind bars. So they have to be good for you, right? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter that there's 50 grams of sugar in them. Of course. <laughs> no, we do have kind bars in Florida, but I don't know if we have frozen ones and I am going to look at the grocery store next time I'm there because right. that sounds yummy, actually. <laughs> very good. So um, we're really excited to have you on today. There are a couple things that we'll dive deep into, but I thought it would be really great for you to share your journey with the listeners. I have known you since you were born. I used to change your diapers. <laughs> so just exposing you're my little baby sister. Um, baby, yes. Change diapers. <laughs> uh, and my other sister, Andrea, and I, we spoiled the heck out of you and we love you dearly. But I'm really grateful to have you on. So maybe if you want to just start with um, sharing your journey, um, you know, go back as far as you'd like, that would be really awesome. And then we'll get into some other stuff. Well, I just have to ask which journey, because you do know I have ADD, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are many journeys. Most of them happen at the same time. <laughs> I love it. Parallel timelines. Go exactly. for it. Exactly. I get a lot done. Um, well, let's see. So, um, obviously was the youngest of three have amazing older sisters that have been my mentors and my champions for all of my life. Not so much when I was little, I think we had some rough patches, but as <laughs> we grew closer. And so I, you know, basically probably, I mean, it had to have been fourth, fifth grade, maybe six, I became obsessed with criminal profiling in the FBI. And so <laughs> I yes, became obsessed with serial killers for some reason and would write papers on them, which everybody thought was odd for a fifth grader. I loved it. And I was bound and determined to go into the FBI. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to become, you know, either in the FBI, criminal profile, investigator, something to that effect. So I went to college for criminology, then got a degree in forensics and uh, went and thankfully tested the waters at the <laughs> medical examiner's office. Uh, and I did autopsies and decided that I did not want to do that uh, at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I did it and had a great contact of mine that we both know that got me into the staffing industry. So autopsies to staffing. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> a very interesting journey. Yeah. Um, so I started with a company called Payforce, actually interviewed there, found out I was pregnant after I interviewed, was offered the role, had to tell them I'm pregnant, starting a sales role, 100% commission. So that was interesting. Um, spent five years as a recruiter working a desk and then moved into leadership. I had great mentors there. It was one of the most amazing, supportive environments I've ever been in. Definitely had powerful and amazing women leading the charge there. You know, Sam Farrell, Amy Simpson, Peggy Pritchard, Michelle Culp. They really got me and taught me everything I know. And, and still today I use, I use that in my day today and I'm still friends with all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's always great to have those great mentors and uh, champions in your life. Um, so let's see. So I was in leadership there for quite a while, born and raised in, in Florida, North of Tampa, as you know, I mean, you were there too. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, lived in Florida our whole lives. And in 2017, my husband and I, and my son Aiden decided we're going to test out Texas. I had a job offer for in Houston, so made the decision to move to Texas. And uh, right the week I was supposed to move, Harvey hit um, Houston. It delayed me a week, and then Irma hit us in Florida. So, you know, 
that always goes well with your parents when they already don't want you to move away. And they're like, well, this is doomed. It's not, not, it's not meant to be. I mean, have you seen the news? There's sharks swimming on I-10. <laughs> I remember those texts. <laughs> yeah. The entire Houston city is underwater and nobody survived. So, uh, so we survived. We moved here. And then I actually left that company and started at the company that I'm at currently, Oxford Global Resources. We're a consulting firm and I work in the healthcare solutions group. And so I work, you know, obviously here in Houston and my team's all over the U.S., but we made the decision to open an office here in Houston. I hired a team of seven, super excited, opened the office. Three days later, COVID lockdowns. <laughs> I have the best timing in life, let me tell you. Queen of chaos. <laughs> Queen of chaos. <laughs> made it through that, though. Um, so, yeah. So, we, you know, basically everybody knows how much of a struggle it was, especially in leadership role, going through COVID, your team going from being in the office face to face to everybody working remote. Everyone in the entire universe trying to log into Teams at the same time, Teams watching <laughs> every day. Poor Microsoft's like, I don't even know what to do right now. We have 4 billion people logging on at the same time. We didn't test this. <laughs> How could they have known? <laughs> right, exactly. So now they know. <laughs> um, and so last year, unfortunately, unexpectedly lost my husband. So now I am a single mom uh, raising a 16-year-old. Not 15. I kept saying he was 15 and just realized he's not. He's 16. I think I decided not to celebrate that birthday. He's not happy about it that I made him younger, but it's okay. Gives me a little more time with him. And here I am today. Awesome. Thank you. I love you, sis. Aww, I love you too. And we miss you. You need to move back to Florida. Well, <laughs> Tell your company to set up a set up a whatever remote here. There in Tampa, I have I have two of my individuals that work there uh, in Tampa, and I would love to, except for the housing market just needs to get itself together. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it'll that'll happen. That'll happen naturally. It may take a couple years though. <laughs> I mean, again, timing is everything. Yeah, it's true. I, I look at moving back there, and then everything is. Uh, a million or so dollars. So insane. Yeah, yeah. Insane. So it's, it's really interesting because first of all, going from autopsies to sales leadership is like a freaking major change. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I find, I, I find that as I got to witness that part of your journey, it was so incredible how much commitment you had going into that. And then you said, Nope, this is not for me. And you immediately you know, pivoted into something completely different. Mm -hmm. How was that? Like from a uh, mindset of, you know, you knew exactly what you wanted to do literally for over 10 years and then you're, you're in it and maybe not exactly what you wanted to do, but you're in it. And then all of a sudden making the decision, nope, this isn't for me. Like, how was that? Was that scary? <laughs> well, I think part of it, unfortunately was a fear factor. It was, you know, you get to the, almost to the finish line and you're like, okay, now that I have the application for the FBI. So what if I can't do this? Or what if I forget this? Or what if I do this? Or what if I don't do this? Or what if I don't get in? Or, and so you start having all these what ifs and, and then the reality of what you'll be doing and not necessarily the work 
itself. Mm -hmm. That didn't bother me, but you are on call 24 seven. You are working weird hours. You're getting called in the middle of the night to go in. It's definitely not a normal nine to five job. And so, Mm -hmm. or eight to five jobs. So that is when I started to, the reality started to sink in that, okay, if I'm going to have a family, you know, I started talking to people that were investigators and, you know, two investigators were a married couple and they had to rotate sleeping on the couch and the kids. And I just Mm -hmm. could not even imagine having to handle all of that and, and get used to that type of a schedule. So, so really going into an office setting, Mm -hmm. which was completely different, head down on the phones all day, very competitive um, environment, having to really figure out a way to, okay, I got to turn some sales on into me. And I think I always had a little bit of a natural, you know, persuasion as I was growing up. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> the youngest child, I don't know, but uh, I was like, you know, I could put that to good use one day. So it, it came in handy. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. I, I would say, <clears throat> and this is interesting because I think this kind of goes with you are the type of person that I've seen really adapt well throughout life. So if you, you know, you were always willing to try new things, number one, mm-hmm. you always had a collector spirit mm-hmm. and you always had this entrepreneurial sense like this. You were always starting little businesses, even though we lived in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and I don't know who the hell was going to come to the lemonade stand or the the books, uh, you were selling books one time too, and, and you did a little mini. Let me, tell you, <laughs> let me tell you a secret. If you have parents that love you and a family that loves you, you sell stuff to them, right? You take their money, and two months later, you take the stuff back, and then three months later, you sell it to them again. And you yes. just over over again. It works wonders. I think you guys all picked up on it, but you didn't say anything, which was great. You were doing pyramid scams before they actually were a thing. Exactly. Abigail ain't got nothing on me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what was interesting is when I think back to all of those unique things as a child, especially that you were always consistently portraying. Now, fast forward into adulthood. I think your transition in from a career perspective, that whole open mindset, you know, definitely was was part of that adaptability and flexibility that you kind of grew up with but the entrepreneurial side of it the entrepreneurial spirit as well was always a, a thing with you but then as an adult you actually started your own business while you're working and i don't remember i think it was eight years ago now i mean i'll let you tell the story but i think it would be great to share because right now a lot of people and i don't know the updated number because literally it changes every month at mm-hmm. this point since COVID hit especially people doing side gigs people doing side hustles people doing passion projects that now are earning income mm-hmm. people taking their hobbies if, if especially if they were artistic or creative in some way and now turning that into an income stream mm-hmm. um people are really in this mode of yeah i have my nine to five job but i have this purpose-filled thing or this passion driven thing that i'm doing and earning income on the side And this is the thing that either will be my future job or will just continue to be my additional income stream, whatever it is. And you went down this path and I just would love for you to share your journey on that too. Yeah. So, you know, my, my role at K-Force was very stressful. I, I basically reformatted the way we were running our business and, and I took on an entire new team uh, that had never existed before. It was a very large team. So had a lot of stress in my role, you know, around 2000, 
16, I believe it was, my husband, Sean, just, we decided he was going to be a stay-at-home dad just because I was working so much and we needed to get Aiden to baseball. We needed to get him to school. And so it just made sense. So I was thankful for that. But I had a lot of females on my team. And so I asked them and did a little survey and said, what would everybody like to do for our team building event? And everyone wanted to make, they, they had these bangle bracelets that were popular at the time. I don't know if they still are, but they all wanted to make them. So I said, okay, I can learn how to do that in two seconds. So I went, you know, Googled it, figured it out, test, you know, tested a couple of them out. We went to one of their houses, drank wine, everybody made jewelry. They had so much fun. They were like, Amanda, you're really good at this. You should sell these. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Cause when I go in, I go in hard. Like I don't have to know <laughs> you do I am all or nothing at all. Yep. And so of course, then I was like, all right, let me try to sell some of them. I opened an Etsy shop and started selling some jewelry on there. And then, you know, taught myself silversmithing, wanted to learn that electroforming, learned that basically learned anything I could, and then would get bored with it two seconds later and move on to the next. Um, but what I realized <laughs> is I'm spending a lot of time in my office. And so every night working long hours, every weekend working long hours, not seeing my son, not seeing my husband. And so, mm. you know what, I have all these stones and it just, I think it just clicked with me because I have collected rocks and stones mm -hmm gemstones since I was young. I was in fourth grade, I think when I started. So even maybe we collected them for them. We used to go on our trips to Michigan. Yes. Um, and so I don't know if it just like re-energized or turned something on that was like I had shut off throughout the years, but I was like, you know what? I have a rock collection somewhere. I have all this. I have this. I, I used to collect meteorites and fossils and all this cool stuff. And so I started digging through it and I was like, you know what? Let me see if I could sell this. And so I started putting my extra supplies up and that up. And I was like, that's a lot easier than making something. It takes mm -hmm. a lot less time. And I was selling quite a bit. So I'm a, I definitely uh, like to adopt things that are weird, strange, rare. And so I just started looking and, and meeting people and making connections with, with different individuals in different countries in Brazil, somebody out in Arizona, somebody in Czech. And basically they had something that I knew was hard to find and I wanted it so I could mm -hmm. sell it. <laughs> And so I just, I started buying all this stuff and then I would run out of time to put it up. And so I would, I would collect a lot more than I would sell. Unfortunately, that's the downside <laughs> to loving what you do, by the way. Um, and so it started growing little by little. Um, last year was my best year, despite it being, you know, COVID and, and having Sean pass away and, and all of the distractions, I absolutely had my best year last year. So, uh, and that's really just me focusing on it. I've gotten a pattern down to where, you know, I learned over the years that, okay, I could sit and watch a movie with my family and still measure stuff and pack stuff up and put stuff. So I started doing that and moved my little packing station out to the dining room so I could be more in the household versus locked mm -hmm. in room somewhere. And so now I've learned, you know, just do a little bit every day. Don't, mm -hmm put it off to the weekend because you'll end up all weekend, you know, working. So just a little bit every day. And so I've just learned to really balance it and kind of, you know, make my processes smoother and, and cut things where I don't need them. If I'm focused on something that I really don't need to be doing, I, I cut it out, cut the distractions out. Last year taught me to run it more like a business than a hobby because mm. at one point I was getting like 35 orders a day. <laughs> Wow. So I would come home from work and I'm like, no, no more. <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and, and I think what's amazing is that when you've needed to dial it down, you were able to dial it down when you dialed needed and wanted to dial it up, you were able to dial up the business too. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing the amount of control just to kind of balance the full-time mom, full-time job scenario with, you know, the business as well. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that I've found so amazing with what you do and how you're doing it is you don't pay for advertising. Like you literally get on Instagram and you post stuff and you have followers and you engage with them. And that's how you build your clients. And you work on the Etsy platform to make sure that you've got the the visibility there, right? When people go and do searches and whatnot. But your your loyal clients that you've built over the years it's just been so incredible to me to watch, but I don't know if you want to share like any tips if anyone was interested in doing an Etsy shop and maybe not doing the same stuff you're doing, hint, hint, but <laughs> <laughs> something else that they want to do on Etsy, as long as you like handcraft or you create or you, or it's natural, you yeah, can, or, you can go yeah. ahead and start selling there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, even, even what I do, there's so many different individuals out there and they're amazing. I mean, I buy, I buy from people on Etsy. So mm. I mean, I don't always look for, you know, something that's wholesale. If I see something that I think is really cool, I'll buy it and I keep it for a while and then I resell it for what mm -hmm. I bought it for. So, so there's a lot of great sellers on there. My customers are absolutely amazing. I've been able to really interact with them through social media. I've gotten to know them on a personal level. I consider them friends. Mm -hmm. And so we support each other. I have customers, they have their own businesses as well. Obviously they're buying stuff for me to make jewelry or, you know, whatever the, the case may be. And so we, we support each other and, and it's, it's a great way to engage and interact with your customers to create that long standing relationship and not just, I don't want just a customer to come one time and then never come, come back again. I know what they want. They know that they can just tell me, you know, specific instructions and I, I can get that taken care of. If, if I know that they're looking for something, I'll always keep my eye out for them. And then my contacts that I buy stuff from, they know me as well. So mm -hmm. it's the same thing that they, they do the same thing. They'll reach out to me. They'll ask me, you know, Hey, I'm going to there's a huge uh, rock show in Denver every year. And they'll basically say, you know, let me know what you're looking for and I'll, I'll look for it for you. I'll take some pictures and, and I'll get it for you. So it's just, it's been a really good way to, to meet new people and to make contacts. And, and a lot of the contacts that I have from uh, individuals I buy from, I, I stay with the people that I know. So, you know, you build those lasting relationships. I started the business. Did I tell you I started it in 2016? I can't remember if I added Yeah. That. I thought it was earlier than that. I yeah. It was, 15. It was, yeah, 2016, um, at the beginning of 2016. Gotcha. Officially. Okay. And so, yeah, because I think before then I was actually making jewelry for people at work. So they would put requests and I would make them stuff. And so, yeah, that, that definitely uh, took up more time. But I would say the, the most important thing for someone that's looking to start something on the side is when I first got into having a side business, I remember saying to my president at the time, Sam Farrell, she was actually the COO. I said, I wish I was a lawyer or had a degree in something like that or a CPA, just something where I could on the side do work and she's like you have you have a lot of creativity you have things you can do you just have to tap into them and i just remember looking at her like i don't have anything i can do i don't know mm -hmm. what to do and within six months i had my business so mm -hmm. so it's really just thinking about you don't have to be an artist you don't have to be a creative person maybe it's something that you know you are, are are good at networking with a certain group of people and you could bring i mean people on etsy sell supplies it's not just about making art yeah and make jewelry they they sell supplies to uh jewelers so 
Uh, and a lot of artists actually start out as artists and end up doing that because mm -hmm. it's more profitable mm -hmm. and uh, and they're able to to have a, you know a, a better business model that way. So uh, I would say social media is huge. I'm not a big Facebook person at all, so I know that I could do a lot more there. I just don't. But and, and it takes a long time to build a following on Instagram, especially if it's a real following, a solid following. It, it definitely takes time. I mean, I've had my Instagram page for years now, and I probably have like, I don't know, 1,200 people that follow me. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't put as much effort into it the past year, but I, I still have those followers that follow me, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As far as like people, like you had a great story there about kind of the shift from, I don't know what I could do into starting your actual business. There are so many people right now in that space. They're like, I want to do something. I want to have my own side business. I want to do something, but I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, right? Everybody's like, what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I think it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a different kind of mental approach to it. Not what am I supposed to do? What will I have fun doing? Or what will, what will be a great fit for my life? Like, how did you, how did you end up like deciding to be open to this? Well, it's, it's called a, an accident. <laughs> <laughs> it's called, I wasn't really looking to do it at all. I just, uh -huh. um, I basically, you know, I like learning new things. I'm pretty handy. I, I, I can do pretty much anything. I just don't do anything really good. That's what I always say. So I can learn how to do anything. I just, you know, usually don't have the attention span <laughs> to make it perfect. So but it was just basically taking an idea and seeing that they, you know, really loved these bracelets and, and they all wanted, you know, I basically would just start making jewelry and posting it on, on Instagram. And they would all be like, I want that. I want that. That's mine. Can you make me this ring? Can you make me an opal this? Can you do this? And so it just started with that. And I was like, Hmm, okay, well, let me just, let me just try it and, and see what, what happens. You know, there's no downside to it. It's not mm -hmm. like, you know, Etsy's going to say you're a failure if you close your shop. <laughs> um, it, it's it, what's, what's it going to hurt to, to try? It, it was almost like your unintentional market research. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I have a tendency to go all in. So then when I started looking and researching and reading and reading, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't stop. So, mm -hmm. and, and it didn't hurt because I was like, well, I'm buying these stones and I collect stones. So if I don't sell them, I can still have them. <laughs> <laughs> there was no waste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, until two of my rooms in my house are full of stones, <laughs> your husband's like, okay, what are we doing with all this? <laughs> and you got to move, um, you know, 20 tons of it to, from uh, Florida to Texas. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my God. Yeah. That was crazy. Plus the stone tumbler table. Oh yeah. <laughs> or the what was it called? Mm -hmm. Abby machine. Abby. Yes. Oh yeah. When when you started using Etsy, like you never actually went to any other platform. And I've used Etsy before too for my old shop. So I realized and you guided me and, and coached me and mentored me on on doing that setup. I thought it was the easiest thing in the world to do. Uh -huh. If you were to just give anybody who would be interested in, you know, going out and checking out Etsy, like just a couple quick tips on you know, what were the most important things to consider or the things that really made a difference in the operational and the execution piece of the business um, using that platform? What would those be? What I will say, there's a lot of competition out there. So mm -hmm. you either have to sell a product that's cheaper or something that nobody else has. Mm. What With what I sell, every piece is different, which is a challenge because it takes a very long time. You have to change every description. You're not selling t-shirts, small, medium, large. 
You're not <laughs> selling buttons that are all the same size. It's every picture is different. Mm -hmm. Every description is different. Everything has to be measured. Everything has to be weighed. Everything reacts differently to sunlight. Everything looks different in the picture. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of opals and shiny stuff like that. I mean, it is very difficult to, um, to capture the essence of something that shape shifts basically yeah. you know, with every single tiny movement. And so I would say that find something, do, do market research first, mm -hmm. go on Etsy, go and look, type in some searches and mm -hmm. see what are people selling. You can kind of see what the top things are. There are actually different websites you can go to for that, but you can go on Etsy and it'll autofill, like start to type something out and see. It'll pull that, all that up for you. And I went and I would look at other people's shops that have sold a lot. What is, what's different about them? What are they doing differently? And I will say that in every research I've done, the only two differences, either number one, they sell things for cheaper than, than their competitor, mm -hmm. or number two, they have a huge social media presence. They have captivated audiences on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. They're out there on everything, YouTube. And so they're on TikTok showing off their stones. They're, you know, communicating back and forth with their customers or people, you know, that comment. They're very interactive and engaging. And a lot of times you, I sell stuff just off of Instagram. It doesn't even mm -hmm. Etsy. So, um, so you'll have someone that sees something on your Instagram and they'll reach out to you and want to buy it. And so there's also actually a, a platform to sell on Instagram as well now, but there used to not be that. So it was just a lot of that, you know, reaching out um, to you study social media and business pages on social media, not like a standard business page, make sure it's something that within what you're looking to do and then go research Etsy. And it doesn't have to be Etsy, Amazon mm -hmm. is another place to sell, eBay. I know people think that eBay, you know, is, is different than an Etsy, but really a lot of, I've, I've found a lot of things on eBay that are amazing and mm -hmm. people don't know what they have. And it's just like, you're like, wait, you, you're going to sell me this entire tray of opals that you got in an estate sale for a hundred bucks. It's worth like 5,000 sold. <laughs> no idea. You're like, I'm, I'm going to grab that before somebody else does. So, um, the other thing that has come along as a challenge, and I know that you've uh, experienced this a little bit as well, is with social media and there being this big, huge, visible platform where everyone can reach everyone. Guess what happens? All of your contacts that wholesale to you say, why am I going to wholesale it when I can go sell it to, to the customer? So yeah. then your, your contacts become your, your competition. And I learned that the hard way when my customers started reaching out to me saying, Hey, this, this person keeps reaching out to me um, to sell me stuff. And it looks like the stuff you sell me. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> no, and, and it is what it is. It, that's just how, how it is now. And so you have to be able to be creative to work around that because wholesalers and, and individuals that are, you know, working the mines, they're more open to selling things at smaller quantity than they were in the past. Yeah, there's a new, there's a totally new profit model that their eyes are going to ching. This yeah. is more scalable. I can do this. Yeah. It's really interesting because I think that both small business as well as the Etsy platform uniqueness, a lot of people have started going there as almost like their Google search engine for things, you know, mm -hmm. for gifts and for unique things that they're trying to find for their house or jewelry or clothing or whatever, that there's also, along with the competition, there's also the customers have really driven a lot of the expansion of using that platform and or other, you know, similar platforms to it. I, that's, I mean, I use that 
as one of my like Google searches. <laughs> you know what? I'm looking for something unique. When you think about kind of that evolution that you've seen already happening, the current evolution with, you know, even some of the business models are changing, even some of the suppliers are now becoming direct, you know, with customer. How do you stay in the game? Like what is the, what's the key to staying in the game on your business? So I think that the good thing about how I, how I've run my business up until this point, which was I started as a collector first and then started the business from there. I held on to a lot of very rare items mm-hmm. that due to the, it just so happened that due to the pandemic, they stopped mining certain things and things are, you can't find them anymore. And they've quadrupled in price. And I just so happen to have stashes of this stuff everywhere. <laughs> and so that has, and, and it's been very, very difficult for people to find. So mm-hmm. that has been definitely something that was like an unintended consequence of me being a hoarder. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> works out in favor for once. But uh, so other than that, it's really, I look for things that I think are cool, not necessarily things that I think I'll sell in bulk, if that makes sense. So a lot of weird things that you wouldn't think would I'd sell a lot of are my top sellers. Mm -hmm. Because I look and I'm like, well, nobody else is really selling this. So I'm going to sell it. And I think it's cool. And I think other people probably think it's cool. And then it ends up being one of the top sellers. So number one, and I'm glad I didn't do this. I thought about it many times stick with online first, because mm-hmm. if I opened a brick and mortar store, it would have cost me so much money. And, and there's a lot of overhead there. Mm-hmm. The other thing is you don't have to go all out. You just have to create a logo, figure out how you're going to ship, get some shipping supplies, and then just work on your, you know, Instagram and Facebook. And you might have to put some Facebook ads out there, or you might have to do, you know, certain things to, to try to bring people to your business, but don't overboard it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is fantastic advice because it's, and I think this is where a lot of people get challenged is they're like, it has to be perfect. I have to have the perfect business plan. I have to have the perfect product. But I think getting started is the most important thing and testing it out and then seeing where is it going to evolve to and go into it with a mindset of, you know what, this isn't going to be perfectly set in stone. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking for feedback so that I can evolve this Um, and having that kind of mindset, just like you went from the jewelry to, I got to scale this business. This isn't, this isn't going to work. And into, you know, being able to, to be the supplier to uh-huh. the jewelry makers and to collectors. What is your advice for managing how much time you spend on a daily basis? Is there a way to set? I know I used to set kind of SLA expectations with customers, mm-hmm. so I would give myself a few days. Do you have any other tips or tricks for people on how to kind of manage how much time they're spending on it, especially when they get home from work and now they're, you know, trying to deal with kids and homework and all this other stuff. And then they've got to go in and deal with the business. Like, how do they do it so that they don't burn out and how do they do it so they don't re- re- resent it? <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. Um, so <laughs> I started doing because I used to be a workaholic. I stressed myself out so much, which is part of the reason why I said, you know, I, I need something to I need a side therapy hustle and that's kind of what this led me. So when I get in the door for work, I turn work on. When I walk out the door, whether I'm working from home or in the office, I shut it off. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I have a, I have a team all over the country and my team out West, they're still working. Obviously I basically set it to where even at lunch, I block, I'm out running. You will not get a hold of me right after work. I'm in the gym. You will not get a hold of me. And then people usually, they don't bother you a little bit mm-hmm. later. But that's the first thing is you got to set those parameters. So even if I'm not running, I'm running. 
I'm running in my mind. <laughs> um, and so I started time blocking every day doing that. So that kind of gets your mentals to where if whether it's at lunch going and running your errands instead of doing it after work or whatever the case may be, just time block that time out. And then I started making sure that I do a little bit every day. Mm -hmm. So if I have a lot of orders to pack, then I'm not maybe going to take pictures of stuff that night and I'm not going to post it. But but I try to post one thing a day on my, my website. So it's not a lot. Mm -hmm. And I try to pack any packages that come through. I try to print them and pack them that same day. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm a lot faster than I used to be. So the, the other thing that is a little bit more challenging with what I do is I sell specific beads. So I'll sell five beads at a time of a really expensive product. And I have to hand pick them because I'm like that. I go in and I look at every single one of them and then I put them on a pretty string for them. And I, I put these labels on and these warning labels and all this stuff. Well, I've started now just pre-packaging them and doing it ahead of time. Like here's the five, 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 boop, already on the string. So I was spending so much time just analyzing every little thing that number one, my husband could never help because he's like, I don't know where to start. Mm. You're pure chaos. You're the queen of chaos. And I don't even know where anything is in your office, um, <laughs> my own system. And it works for my brain. And number two is I, I don't know what to pick out for them. Like I try to, I don't know if it's intuitively picking it for the customer, but I just try to pick out what I think they would like. And so I've really gotten away from that to really try to focus on how can I now be as efficient as possible. But so it's doing a little bit every day, taking care of stuff right when it comes in and then being as efficient as possible. That's where you're not going to get burned out. If you're waiting and then all of a sudden you have to work all day Saturday and Sunday to get caught up, that's when you start to have that resentment. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. I could see and that my, for sure. My scalability is not there. I mean, I could definitely have this business could be triple what it is right now, but mm -hmm. it's not. And that's good because I would probably be insane. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you, you manage that you manage mm -hmm. kind of how, and I remember last year when it got like really peaked, you're like, okay, got to back it off a little bit yeah. here. So, and you did, and what you just, you know, slow down on the posting, slow down on the on the you know putting um putting stuff out on social media just slow down and kind of retract a little bit and then the business does the same thing it's really interesting how you can control that flow and you can actually put your shop on vacation mode um mm. on eBay and on etsy so that's been very helpful if uh you know i, I was in florida for quite a while and I, I put it on vacation mode but i might do that even if i'm here and i have a lot going on and it just yeah. gives a little break that's a great that's a great suggestion as well so what was the most interesting piece that you were ever able to procure? Hmm. What was your favorite of the most interesting? <laughs> it, it's probably artifacts that I've been able to put my hands on. Uh, mm -hmm. I have a meteorite carving that is, uh, I don't know, it looks like a dog, a pregnant dog, but then it looks like a donkey, but then it looks like an alien at the same time. <laughs> and it's a meteorite that was carved however many years ago. I don't even know how old it is. And somehow I was able to get it. And it's it's really cool. So stuff like that, where it's just something that's completely different. I have a piece of glass from the first atomic blast here in the United States. I really think that that's something cool. So, it, you know, the blast obviously heats the, the sand up. And um, and I have a piece of that, uh, a small piece. But, but that is one of the cooler pieces that I have. But I, I would say probably the artifacts that I have. I have a bracelet that's very, very old. I have some some carvings that are that are pretty old. If they're a real arrowhead, I, like that kind of stuff, really interests me when it's it's something that's from history. Yeah, like dinosaur poop. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> my favorite is actually one of my favorite things is, is dinosaur gem bone. So it's agatized uh, dinosaur bone. And I have quite a bit of that that I've collected over the years and sell some of it. <laughs> right? it's so beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. And it's amazing to me if you see the cell structure, just that, to me, it just, I can sit there and stare at it all day. Mm, it's like artwork to you. Yes, yeah, it is. For sure. <laughs> it's amazing. So what is um, the name of your shop? My shop is called Raw and Refined Earth. I call it rare, but it's Raw and Refined Earth. Find you on Etsy. On mm -hmm. Etsy, yes. And what's your Instagram handle? And I'll put this in the show notes as well as your um, your Etsy, uh, your your company name. It's Raw and Refined Earth. On, it's on Instagram? Yes. Gotcha. Perfect. <laughs> I should know that. I just follow you. I don't know what it says. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's Amanda. <laughs> That's awesome. So if there was any advice you have, kind of like the Amanda Billboard Queen of Chaos advice, what would that be? I would say don't take life too serious. Don't stress out about stuff that doesn't matter. You'll realize it one day that not, not much matters <laughs> at no. all. Uh, and so, you know, you, you, you will be a lot less stressed and a lot happier uh, the sooner you realize that. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, so right. <laughs> so right. Do you have any call outs that you would like to share, whether it's a book or products other than your own? <laughs> uh, anything. I, I don't know how many listeners we actually have in Texas, but anything local, anything nonprofit wise, anything that you're, that is well, very interesting to you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there's this book that is amazing. And, uh, the person that wrote it is also amazing. It's called love your gifts. I don't know. If it's <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't had one of those in a call in a while. A while so. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is I am hiring for business development executives and you can sit anywhere in the United States, work remotely. If you have any sales experience for preferably healthcare, even if it was only six months, I don't care. I am hiring. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So um, I'll put a LinkedIn link for you yes. um, in the show notes and people can reach out to you and DM you there, right? Excellent. Okay, perfect. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. That was really phenomenal. I think this was so rich for people who are really interested in starting their own business or people who are like, I have to quit my job to start this business. No, you don't. She's been doing it for almost seven years. <laughs> and making really good money with it. So, you know, there's there's a real part to this entrepreneurship and, you know, kind of this cross-life job and entrepreneurship and, and owning your own business and so many resources out there that have made it so much easier nowadays, as well as people really helping each other to, you know, stand up their own business, work through mindset issues, things like that. And I think this was great that you were able to share, you know, just some guidance on how to do it and to, what to focus on. was That's been really great. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. If you like this episode, you can LinkedIn me at Angie Belts McCourt and let me know. And if you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>